right, good afternoon, everyone. As Sarah just shared, my name is John Michael Becker, and I'm a lay pastor at Itaewon, at the Itaewon campus. Uh, my first Sunday here at the church was January 1st, 2006. I sat in the way back. I was 23 years old. Uh, a lot has changed since then. A lot of, lot's going to change for your life, too. So uh, get ready. But uh, it's my pleasure to bring the Word of God today. And the message I'm going to share today is actually very similar to what Pastor Christian shared last night. Uh, I guess God's wanting to drill something into you guys at this hour. Um, it is a holy coincidence because this is a message that was put on my heart in early February. Uh, I was just reading through the Word. I, I read through the Word yearly, so I, I have a set schedule of what I read. And God was speaking to me in the book of Matthew and speaking to me in the book of Acts. So that's what I'm going to share today, but it was just very interesting that what Pastor Christian preached last night, I mean, it was almost identical in some spots, even the altar call. I was like, man, that was my altar call, you know. <laughs> but God's good. Uh, God has some fresh things to share with you all today. Uh, I also want to set a premise for this message it's a message that if you don't pay attention to, uh, it can bring fear and anxiety, kind of like the opposite of the point of the message. I actually gave a message last November at Itaewon called God Wants to Satisfy You, and it was kind of the opposite spectrum, where I spoke about how God wants to satisfy you relationally, uh, sexually, and in one other way that if I share, you guys would be offended, but you have to listen to that message. And if you had not, if you had just listened to that message but not paid attention, uh, it could have created selfishness or um, just wrong thoughts. But if you paid attention to that message, you would have been really edified. And so I think maybe those topics might interest you. It's on podcast. You can listen to that. That was from November. Uh, this word's going to be very similar. And you're going to see, uh, but the opposite spectrum. So please pay attention, take some notes, and uh, I guarantee you will be blessed through this word. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read together. Second Corinthians chapter 11. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is sharing about his sufferings as an apostle. It's pretty wild. Verses 24 through 27, you guys can follow along with me. I'll be reading from the ESV. It says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jew the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea. Danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without cold, uh, often without food, I'm sorry, can't read English, in cold and exposure. All right, so while my last message that, that I preached was very happily titled, God Wants to Satisfy You, uh, today's a little more heavy, it's Responding to the Shipwrecks. The title of today's message is Responding to the Shipwrecks. It's going to bless you. So my question as I begin this message to you today is, how many of you in your journey that is called life have experienced a shipwreck? Okay. Now, I doubt many of you were in a literal shipwreck, unless maybe you were in a canoe that, that tipped over. Um, but a shipwreck 
is a lot worse than, say, a car accident. Because a car accident, while there might be injury and while there might be damage and money that's involved, you're at least where you were when you had the car accident. But for a shipwreck, you lose everything and you're in the sea. And if you make it to dry ground, you're likely in a foreign land. So everything, you're completely off balance, basically. That's what a shipwreck is. It's something that catches you by surprise, and it's something that can kind of make you dizzy, make you be like, what is going on here? It's a lot more than just a car accident. And uh, for a shipwreck, for you guys, it might be suddenly losing your job that you were counting on. It might have been praying for someone and contending for someone, uh, but not seeing them healed or seeing them fall away. Uh, and just fall into all sorts of sin. It might be a, uh, something with a relative, a falling out. It might have been a broken engagement. These are things that can devastate people. These are what we would call shipwrecks. And the first thing that we need to know as Christians is that in life, there will be shipwrecks. All right, let's just get that out of the way. Let's understand that. But we need to understand that because so many Christians are in the mindset of, if I get God, then God wants to satisfy me, like that previous message. If God wants to bless me, I'm covered, he's going to prosper my life. And so I'm completely safe from any harm. Unlike the Apostle Paul, who is apparently one of the greatest Christians ever. My life is safe. Okay, there's a truth. Yes, your life is safe. But that doesn't mean what's going to happen around you isn't going to be stormy doesn't mean that what's around you isn't going to be shaken at times. Okay? So I'll give you some examples of shipwrecks in the Bible. Uh, it's very easy. I didn't really have to think long. Moses, for example, uh, he tries to defend an Israelite. He ends up killing an Egyptian in the process. Pharaoh finds out about it. Moses has to run for his life, leave everyone and everything behind, go into a foreign land where he's a shepherd for 40 years of his life. That would be a shipwreck. David, okay, was rising up. In the kingdom, he was being faithful in all that he was called to do. He was in full submission to King Saul. But King Saul got a bit jealous, got a bit angry, tried to take his life. David had to leave his wife. He had to leave his family. He had to leave everything and run around in the wilderness for some years. That would be called a shipwreck. Joseph. Joseph is deceived by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. He's put into foreign lands, different language, different people. Uh, he's sold to Potiphar, where he has to serve him. And just as he's recovering, he gets falsely accused for wanting to sleep with Potiphar's wife, and he's thrown into prison. That's a double shipwreck. <laughs> what about Jesus? Okay, I'll give you a shipwreck for Jesus that I don't think a lot of people think of when they read the word. Who baptized Jesus? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was his forerunner. It was his blood relative that we read according to scripture, and was the one that Jesus looked up to, or at least looked to, to baptize him. But we read later on in the Gospels that when John's in prison, he sends his messengers, his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you really the one? I'm not so sure in you anymore. This is John the Baptist. And then just a little bit later, we read that John the Baptist is beheaded. So Jesus the guy who was a forerunner to his ministry. I mean, you could call him his right-hand man. Uh, he was a blood relative, so they were actually related. The guy who baptized him, you could almost call him his spiritual father, even though they were about the same age. He doubted him, and then he was cruelly executed. 
That's a shipwreck, guys. And we read in Scripture that when Jesus found out that John the Baptist had died, he needed to go on the mountainside and pray all night. He needed time to recover. So even the Savior of the world endured shipwrecks. I think he knew about Judas. Okay, you could say Judas was worse. You could say Peter denying him was worse. You know, different things like that. But I don't know if he knew what would happen to John the Baptist. I don't know if he really saw that, happen, saw that com- coming. What we need to understand is that we as Christians, sometimes things are going to catch us by surprise. But what I'm here to tell you today is it's okay. Shipwrecks happen, but God's in control. And I'm going to get deeper into this. I'm going to share one more shipwreck. Uh, I like sharing examples from the scripture. Uh, I'm big on the word of God. I really believe that if you want to hear from God, you need to read the word of God. I want to challenge you guys, be in the word daily. Uh, If you're not reading the word, then how can you expect to hear from God? Maybe from your leaders, yes, but you're not going to have any influence because you're just going to be a robot. And if you're relying on dreams, uh, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to get all tossed around. Uh, I'm actually fasting right now, so I was very pleased with communion. Um, but, you know, when you're fasting, you're supposed to be all spiritual, right? I, not for me. Um, I'm very, like, mung, like, you know, when, when I'm fasting. And uh, we've been praying, my wife and I, for dreams. And uh, first night, I had a dream, and I was eating steak. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm fasting. And I put the steak down. But it was so good. I kept eating. And then I woke up. And I was like, oh, the guilt you know, started to go away. It's like, is this prophetic? No, I'm just hungry. And uh, the next night I prayed, God, come on, give me a prophetic dream. You know, speak to us. And I went to sleep. And I was dreaming of my kids in the orphanage. And we're having a great time. It was like a great dream. And then I look over, and there's this huge donut. <laughs> I'm not joking. A huge donut. But I remember, like, staring at it in the dream, like, what is this? <laughs> Guys, rely on the Word of God. Please, read the Word of God. Praise God that I'm not preaching you from my dreams. You guys would be so confused. Let me give you another example of a shipwreck uh, in Scripture. And this is one that speaks to me the most. Okay, this is the one that really uh, just got me as I read through the book of Acts. Every time I read it, I just wonder what was going on in the early church at this time. Who were Jesus' inner three? They were Peter, John, and James. Okay, I don't think a lot of you know about James, and there's a reason. Peter, James, and John. These were the three out of the 12 disciples that Jesus would keep close to him. When he uh, raised a girl from death to life, he only called those three in. When he was transfigured on the mountain, he only allowed those three to go with him. When he would share certain teachings just with these three. Okay, when he was about to be betrayed, he called his 12 disciples out to the mountain, but then he called those three close to him and asked him, please be with me through this time. These were like Jesus' inner three, his close friends, the ones that he was pouring into. These three would be the pillars of the new church, Peter, James, and John. But what happens? Before the book of Acts is even halfway through, James is abruptly imprisoned, and executed. And that's that. Think about that. Jesus, during his life and ministry, he poured into these three. Just poured into them, took care of them, was with them. I mean, you're thinking, wow, Peter, James, and John, these guys are going to rise up. The whole church was looking to them from the very beginning. And then, boom, James is dead. He's gone. And what happens? Peter is immediately arrested afterward, and he's set up 
for execution. Talk about a shipwreck. What was the church thinking at that time? All right, now they had just endured the deacon Stephen passing away. But for Stephen, the heavens opened. He was glowing. It was beautiful. He was defending the faith. It was really set up. So I think while they probably mourned Stephen, it was like, well, this was God. This was clearly God. We saw him shining like an angel. It was great. But for James, we don't read any details. For all we know, it was only the undertaker and James. No one saw. No one witnessed. And Stephen, he was a deacon. We can spare a deacon. The pillar of the church, James. Now Peter's arrested. Now Peter's about to be executed. What was going on through their mind? And this is what happens when we face a shipwreck. Thoughts like this come into our mind. Were we praying enough? Who wasn't praying? Were our leaders covering us? Are, are we really being led by God? What's, what's going on here? Does God care about us? Is God protecting us? Because I don't see God protecting James. I didn't see the heavens open over James. What's going on? Was James in sin? Think about that. What happens when we face a shipwreck? Pointing fingers, pointing fingers. Think about when you've gotten sick. Our church preaches a mentality of, okay, we don't, we don't give in to the enemy. Missions at our church years ago, we used to just go do VBS songs and dance and preach a good message. That was about it. And if someone was sick, we would pray for them, but it was more out of empathy. Oh, we really care about you. We just want to pray healing for you. But as our church has matured, we've realized, wait, there's an enemy, and we've got to fight this enemy, and we're more than conquerors. And that's a lie. We've got to rebuke it. Okay, we've we got to rebuke that. We've got, we got to claim that healing, and it's beautiful. And we've seen healings increase dramatically. In our mission trips, we've seen the glory of God just stir up in the nations and here in Korea. It's beautiful. But have people still gotten sick in our congregation? Yeah, it's still happened. And we fight it, don't, don't get me wrong. But I know that for some of us here, when we get sick, we wonder, what am I doing wrong? What, what have I done to deserve this? Well, am I not praying enough? Am, am I disobeying? Are my leaders not covering me? What's going on? And it's kind of like a, a little shipwreck. You know, the canoe just tipped over, trying to figure things out. Okay, but these are shipwrecks that the church faces, and it's not just us. Because the early church, so many of us think this was when the church was the most unified. This was when the church had its act together. They were hearing from the Lord so clearly. Miracles were so common. They had it together. So why this shipwreck? Was God still there? What was going on? Now I'm out of order. So often we think because we're sick, or because there's hardship or a shipwreck in life, that we're a failure or we've done something wrong. When in fact God is allowing it because we're strong enough and we're worthy enough to grow through it. I mean, I want to ask you, for the early church, was Stephen martyred and then James killed because the church was doing something wrong? Or because they were doing something right? Kind of odd, Okay. Now, I'm not saying, please, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we should just allow shipwrecks. We should just allow sickness. We shouldn't fight. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm also saying we shouldn't consider ourselves failures when there's a shaking or there's a shipwreck. And I'm going to get into this more. Actually, I'm going to share my main point right now. I've just got one point for this message. But I really hope I can drill it into you guys really well. The title of this message is Responding to the Shipwrecks. How are we supposed to respond to the shipwrecks? And I need you guys to keep with me. 
might not get it right away. Keep with me. How do you respond to a shipwreck? You respond with rest. You respond with rest. I want you guys to look at your neighbor and say to them, I need to rest. All right, now stay with me. Stay with me. There were only a couple near shipwrecks and one shipwreck that was detailed in Scripture. Okay, there were some different shipwrecks that happened throughout Scripture, but there's only three that were really detailed. And I'm going to share about all three, and you're going to see something common in each of them. The first was Jonah. Now, his was a mighty storm that didn't destroy the ship, but they were on the brink of a shipwreck. Now, a lot of people look down on Jonah, and they think he was just a scared guy running from the command of the Lord to go prophesy to this scary city, Nineveh. But if you actually read the scripture and look closely to biblical history, you'll actually see that Jonah was one of the most faith-filled men in scripture. At that time, he was a prophet to Israel. They were the northern kingdom. They were in idolatry. And along with the other prophets, they were prophesying, repent and turn, because if you don't, judgment is coming. And when Jonah was commanded by God, okay, stop preaching to Israel, go to the northern kingdom of Syria and speak to the capital, Nineveh, he knew time's up for Israel. And if I go to Nineveh and I command them to repent and they repent, then they're going to be able to be used by God. And if Nineveh and Assyria can be used by God, that means they're going to invade my country. They're going to kill my relatives. They're going to kill my loved ones. They're going to enslave the children. They're going to destroy this land. And Jonah didn't want that. See, he wasn't running out of fear. He was actually running out of faith. Kind of odd. But that was Jonah. And so what was Jonah's demeanor in this ship that was trying to go as far away from Nineveh as possible? As the storm's coming, as they're all scrambling on the ship, let me read to you what was going on. Jonah 1, 5, and 6. I'll just read this for you guys. Then the, the mariners, the people on the ship, were afraid, and each cried out to his God as the storm came down. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us and we may not perish. So how did Jonah respond to this crazy storm, to this near shipwreck? He slept. Okay, now maybe you guys don't like Jonah's example because you know, well, that storm was there because he was disobeying. Let me give you another example. His name is Jesus. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 8, 24 through 27. He's with his disciples there on a boat. It says, And when he had gotten into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Well, you have little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and the sea obey him? So Jonah wasn't the only one that was sleeping during a mighty storm. Jesus was sleeping as well. At a time when the world around them, it seemed so catastrophic and so crazy for all the people around them, they were resting. They were at complete peace. They were relaxed. Now stay with me in this message. Stay with me. 
In Acts chapter 27, there's a detailed account of a shipwreck that Paul endured. One of the three shipwrecks that Paul endured in his life. Now, this shipwreck took 12, uh, it was more than 14 days. So it was over two weeks. So we don't read of Paul sleeping for 14 days. We don't read of that. But what we do read is that all the sailors, all the crewmen, they were in panic. But Paul, he was very relaxed. Now, you have to think about Paul. At this point, he's supposed to go to Rome. He's gotten this call from God to go to Rome and to preach the good news there. And yet, this ship is about to fall apart. Crazy things are happening. If he was weak in faith, like perhaps many of us, we would have been like, what's going on, God? You called me to this. Why is the storm here? Am I doing something wrong? Oh, God, search my heart. Know if there's anything wrong within me. No. Paul was very relaxed. Paul was very chill. And he told them, hey, relax. Hey, eat. You guys haven't eaten for 14 days. You guys need to eat. He comforted them. That's all we read about in Acts 27. It's a long chapter. You guys can read it sometime. I would read it today, but it would take a long time. But basically, all he's doing is being comfort, encouragement, rest, eat. You guys are going to be okay. This was Paul's reaction to the shipwreck. And then what happens is that the ship finally falls apart. They're all tossed into the sea. They're holding on to planks of wood, okay? And they get to an island. And you just imagine what, you know, how it must have felt to be Paul. You've just endured 14 days of misery in a storm. Then your ship is destroyed. You've lost all your cargo. You've been in this cold sea, okay? You've just made it to some foreign island, a bunch of natives you don't know, okay? And you gather around a fire. And I imagine all of us would be thinking, it's over. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. And what happens? It says in Acts 28 that they gather around the fire and a poisonous snake comes out of the fire and latches on to Paul's hand. What the holy moment. Imagine being Paul in that moment. It's like, come on, God. What's going on? It says that the natives saw Paul and they saw him getting bit by a snake and they said, he's going to die. Justice has come because he was a prisoner. But what does Paul do? Shakes off the viper, shakes it off into the fire. And just chills. That's all we read about. That's all we read. It doesn't say anything else. He got first aid. He ran around. He, he just sat at the fire. And the poison didn't harm him at all. He's completely fine. And those same natives that were thinking he was going to die, now they're like, you are God. That's what Acts 28 says. So I have to ask you, did Jonah die or suffer severe injury or trauma from the storm? I would say no. He didn't. Okay, yes, he was thrown off the ship. He ended up getting swallowed by a fish. But the storm, it didn't really move him or affect him or hurt him in any way. Was Jesus severely injured, traumatized, or did he die from the storm that he endured on that boat? No, not at all. He was completely fine. He got out of it just as normal as he was before. Was Paul severely injured, traumatized, or did he die from any of those three shipwrecks or from that poisonous viper? No, he was completely fine wasn't harmed at all. They were all at rest. They were all relaxed. They were all fine. So what does it mean for us to rest during a shipwreck? What does it mean to rest in general? 
This is what I want you guys to get in this hour. And I'm just going to share a story from uh, this past week. And I want you guys to receive these words just as I spoke them over someone else. You see, this summer, Jerusalem Ministry, we're accepting uh, two summer volunteers. And they're going to be living in a children's home together for two months. And uh, it's living with the kids, serving the kids. It's just full out with the children. And what they have to do right now is they have to raise $2,200 to take care of their needs this summer. It's not that much, really, when you think about it. And uh, they have to send out support letters. They have to do a bit of homework. They have to do different things. And so I've been training them, speaking to them over Skype. And uh, it was just interesting. As I was speaking to one of the girls and sharing, I was like, how much money have you raised in support before? She said, $400. And I was like, okay, don't worry. $2,200 isn't that much. You know, but for someone who's only raised $400 and is only like 20 years old, 2200 is quite a jump, okay? And then I was, I was sharing about, you know, what she'd be doing, the responsibilities. She's just like, okay, okay. And you can hear like kind of like this excitement, but also kind of this like, oh, no. <laughs> what if I fail? What if I don't raise the support? What if I don't do well? And I'll tell you this. If you raise support, especially for your living, one of the greatest temptations is I have to earn my support. Okay, so if I don't get 10 salvations this year, I've failed. Because i got to have some sort of output, right? i got to have something to show. And this pressure and this burden can come on people who are living off of support. They have to perform. And I was starting to catch that just in her voice as we were talking. And I said, wait, you cannot fail. You cannot fail. You just have to be who you are. And you're going to succeed. I don't care about the end result. I don't even care so much about the works. What I'm concerned with is you being who you are. Okay? You were led by God to apply for this ministry. Your parents approved of it. Your pastor and your church mentor sent glowing recommendations for you. The leaders here at Jerusalem Ministry, we were led to accept you. Okay? Based on our prayers for you your testimony, and these recommendations. It's clear that God is sending you in this. And God is sending you, he's giving you this blessing, not because you can earn it. He's giving you this calling and this blessing because of who you are. This is why I need you guys to get. God's given you these things. God's put this stuff in your life. Not because of what you can do or perform, but because of who you are. And you just need to be yourself. And I told her, look, if you just keep walking with God like you've been walking with God, if you keep submitting to authority like you've been submitting to authority, you're completely covered. You're safe. Okay? That's all that God's asking of you. That's all that we're asking of you. We're not looking for you to come here and do things outside of your strength. We're not looking for you to come here and to be a different person. If that was the case, God would have never commissioned you. We would have never accepted you. We've accepted you not because of what you can do, but because of who you are. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. She's going to do things when she's out here, but it's going to be flowing out of who she is. If she just walks with God, if she listens to our instruction and to our advice, guarantee she's going to succeed. And the fruit, the results, you leave it to God. You see, God is the author and perfecter of those children's lives. He's the author and perfecter of your life. If you try and put them in your own hands, guess what? You're living apart from God. You will not be blessed. But if you trust them to God and you be who you're called to be, 
and you just continue to walk with God, not trying to go nuts, but just walk with God, God's going to bless you. He'll give you all the wisdom. He'll give you all the strength. He'll give you all the grace that you need. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. My wife actually said it even better. She said, it's dangerous for sheep to run around in the pasture. They need to lie down. Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. A pasture is our ministry. It's where we're called to be. Okay, we're not supposed to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death all our life. That's not what sheep are called to do. Okay, not even the, the, you know, by still waters. That's not what sheep really are at all their life. They're just in the pasture. That's where they're called to be. That's who they are. And God says, lie down. Lie down. Because the moment you're trying to run around, trying to feed yourself, trying to take care of yourself, trying to put things in your own hands, you're not allowing me to shepherd you. And I will not bless you. I can't bless what you're doing out of fear. I can't bless what you're trying to do and taking in your own hands. You see, well, often when we face shipwrecks, we're trying to like fast and pray far beyond what God's given us grace to do. Okay, and I'm saying apart from our spiritual authorities, apart from God's leading, we're just trying to take it in our own hands. Okay, why would God bless that? True rest, true rest, and I'm going to read this, is walking with the Lord and in submission. It's just that, walking with the Lord and in submission. Trusting that God desires the best for us and that he works all things for our good. That's what true rest is. I need you guys to get this. I'll say it again. Walking with the Lord, just like you've been walking, God's not asking for more or for less. He just wants you to walk with him. You're going to grow up. People naturally grow. A father's not walking with his son and saying, I expect you to be 15 years old tomorrow. God's not expecting that. It's something natural. As the kid is just who he is, he's going to grow up. He's going to mature. That's what God wants from you. Just walk with me and walk in submission. If you walk with me and you walk in submission to your authorities, you can be at full trust that I will work all things for your good. Okay? That I desire the best for you. And these authorities that I put over your life, because I care for you, if you're having trouble hearing from me, they're going to speak to you. From me. From the Lord. Because he cares for you. So many people fear submitting to authority because they think, what if my authority is going to get it wrong? Do you think God is not in control? Where is your faith? Our faith is not in man. It's in God. Okay? And the people that God puts in our life, we can trust that God is good. And even if they're wrong, God's going to be the lifter of our head. God's going to bless us abundantly. This is what true rest is. The moment you feel fear and anxiety, you are not walking in rest. Because you're putting your trust more in the fear and anxiety than you are in God. See, what were the disciples doing during the storm? They were looking at the storm. We're going to die. What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. He wasn't concerned. Yeah, God's going to kill the disciples. They're all going to die. Jesus is going to die in the, in the lake. No. He was relaxed. Okay? And all the disciples needed to do was look to Jesus or even just look to God, and they would have been delivered. It's the same for us. When there's a shipwreck in our life, when there is a shaking, we're not supposed to be moved. We're supposed to actually relax and just look to the Lord and look to our authorities. If we're having trouble hearing from the Lord, and I guarantee you, God will speak through our authorities. Right now, Pastor Christian's called for this fast, and he's called for a time of prayer. Okay, that is from the Lord. 
I guarantee it. Even during this fast, I've felt such a blessing through this fast. It's a pivotal time for me. It's a pivotal time for my wife. Guys, it's a pivotal time for you guys. It's not just about the church. But you see, God was speaking to you through him. I don't think you guys would have, uh, God has said, I want you to do a seven-day fast this month. I don't know, God. Maybe I'll give up Facebook for a day. Okay? But when it comes from the leader of the house, all right, we're in submission, we're going to obey. That's grace of God. That's the blessing. Now, what if something crazy were to happen? All right? Now, think about it. I, I hate to use this analogy, but I have to, because we have to understand shipwrecks do happen. Apostle James, one of the inner three, suddenly is taken away. This would be like, like, okay, yeah, come on, guys, relax. Marcus, Myung-Hwa, John, all right, they're all three pastors in this church. They've been here for a long time. They've graduated through seminary. They've served under Pastor Christian. They've been so faithful in the calling. We've watched their anointing grow. It's so beautiful. And then suddenly one of them is gone. Well, the church is falling apart. Pastor Christian's not, I don't know what's going on. How are we going to react? Relax. God loves them more than he loves you. God loves us more than we love us, if that makes sense. Relax. I don't care what shipwrecks going on in your life. Okay, if it's something heavy, God will comfort you. And God will bring the church to your side. If it's something that just scares you, relax. Talk to the Lord. Remember who he is. Remember his word. You read the book of Psalms, and it seems like the psalmists are bipolar. The first two verses of almost all the psalms are like, oh, God, where are you? They've gathered around me. I'm about to die. Okay, that's how almost all the psalms begin. And then the middle of the psalms, you'll read, and it's like, but I remember you, oh, God. You are this, and you are that. And you did this for us, and you did that. And then it'll end with joy. It's like, what's going on? But that's what we got to do. And a shipwreck, stop looking at the storm. Stop looking at your enemies. Stop staring at the trauma. Look to the healer. Look to the deliverer. Look to the perfecter. Look to your helper. Rest. Just walk with the Lord and submit to your authorities. Okay? If God's really trying to speak to you and you're worrying, I don't know, I don't think I can hear God's voice right now. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to the pastor. God is full of grace. That's who he is. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Even if you're not getting it, he's still going to get it to you. He will not let you fall away. I give them life and they shall not perish. No one can snatch them from my hand. That's the promise of Jesus. That's the promise of the Father. In the shipwrecks, we're just called to rest. Walk with the Lord. Submit to authority. And God's going to bless us. And I'm going to tell you guys, I mean, so many people wonder, well, why are there shipwrecks? Why do I have to endure it? Why did Paul have to go through all that stuff? Now, Paul had a specific calling. I don't think we're all supposed to suffer to the same extreme as Paul. Praise God. All right. But there are going to be times. Scripture says there will be sufferings as, as followers of God. There will be persecution. Okay. There will be shipwrecks. There will be moments where we might get caught off guard. But does it catch God off guard? No. Is God in control? Yes. Why is he allowing this? I'm, I'm here to, to tell you that I really believe he's allowing it, not really for you, but for the people around you. See, life isn't all about you. It's about the people around you. Think about Jonah. Think about Jesus. Think about Paul. 
Did they really change through their storm and their shipwreck? I don't think so. Okay, I don't see Jonah's faith suddenly springing up after that shipwreck. I think he had just as much faith as before. Jesus, we don't read about any change in emotion or a change in peace or demeanor. Paul, we don't read about any change in him either. They were all the same. But what about the people around them? We read that the people around Jonah, as he was sleeping, and then when he spoke to them, as they were witnessing his demeanor, and they were witnessing how God moved, it says that they all feared God reverently. Okay, And these were foreigners. These weren't Jews at the time. Jesus, he calms the storm. Is Jesus like, wow, I'm amazing, or God's amazing? No, he's just relaxed. But the disciples are looking at him like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Their faith has just jumped up. Paul, because of the way he reacted through the shipwreck, he saved the lives of everyone on the boat. It's not all about Paul. He saved so many lives. And then when the snake tries to bite him and he, and he rings it off, suddenly he's releasing faith. Now, yeah, their faith was a little weird. It was more in Paul you know, than in God. But it opened doors. And if you continue to read in Acts 28, he was able to witness and heal people on that island. See, it's, it's more than life is not just about you. It's more than us. It's oftentimes in the storms and in the darkest moments that we shine the brightest. Because the whole world around us is shaking. They're looking at the storm. They're getting all stirred up. But we're relaxed. Like, how could you be so relaxed at this time? How could you be so relaxed when it looks like your job's falling apart? When it looks like your family's falling apart? When it looks like your church, you know, crazy stuff's happening at your church? How could you be so calm when you're enduring the sickness? How could you be so calm through all these things? Because God's with me. God desires my good. God wants the best for me. And though, you know, the sorrow may last for the night, my joy will come in the morning. I will remember the Lord. I will remember that He is good. His love endures forever. It never dies. It never fails. It never ends. Our God is good. You remember the story I shared about the Apostle James and his death and execution? And then Peter is immediately arrested after that. Now the second pillar, another pillar, is about to be executed. And I imagine for Peter, here he is in prison. He's locked away. He has no one with him. All right? A lot of people talk smack about Peter. He wasn't praising. He wasn't doing these things. He was all alone, in the dark, surrounded by all these soldiers. All right? He's facing his execution. His, one of his close friends and confidants in ministry has just been killed. I mean, there's no way he's thinking, well, God's going to protect me because I'm one of his chosen ones. James just got killed. Okay? All right, and maybe even Peter, he could have been thinking, like, oh, you know, what have I done? Did I miss something? Did, am I not really walking in submission to the Lord? What's going on? No, we read in Acts chapter 12, what was Peter doing? Sleeping. I mean, could you sleep in an hour like that? Could you sleep when one of your best friends just been killed and you're about to follow and the whole church is, is amok? Well, Peter knew, hey, I know, I'm, I'm not the author and perfecter of this church. I'm not the author and perfecter of James' life or my life. I will walk with the Lord. I will be faithful in what he's called me to be faithful. I will honor him and honor the authority over me. And I'll know God's going to take care of me. He'll give me the wisdom. He'll part the Red Sea. He'll do whatever is needed. God will take care of it. I just got to walk with him. That's it. All right, so what I want to emphasize in this message, and I hope you got it, rest is not just for you guys. It's not just sleeping through your troubles. What rest is, get this, it's walking with God. 
It's just walking with God and trusting in His goodness. And that's where submission to authority is so powerful because that is walking with God. So when you're unable to hear the voice of the Lord, you can guarantee that God's going to speak to you through your leaders. And if they instruct you to pray and fast, you pray and fast. They instruct you to do something, you do it. But you never go beyond it. Because you going beyond it, you trying to do it on your own, you're putting more faith in your actions and in your works than in God. You need to relax. You need to rest. Do what you're called to do and sleep. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to welcome up uh, Egyong. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and uh, I'm going to invite up uh, in a moment. Well, let me say a prayer first. God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this house. And uh, God, I thank you, Lord, that this house truly is a city on a hill. God, I thank you, Lord, that we are founded upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. And we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. And Lord, I thank you that as Pastor Christian preached last night, Lord, when there is shaking, when there are shipwrecks, Lord, you're just revealing what's real. And you're removing the flesh. You're removing the things that are man-made. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for the shipwrecks in life. Although we don't really enjoy them, going through them, God, we thank you, Lord, that you're working things for our good. And we thank you, Lord, that we shine so brightly through those moments, God. And you're releasing salvation to people around us, Lord. Even when we don't know it. Friends, family members, co-workers, even the nation. They're responding. They're witnessing. They're seeing your light within us. So, God, I just speak rest over this congregation right now. I speak grace. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are so proud of this church and you are so proud of every individual in this church. And I thank you, Lord, that you are not asking of them things that are beyond them. You've just called them to walk with you because you're a good dad. You're a good father. And so I bless every son and daughter in this house with the grace to just walk with you and to be at peace, to know that you're good. And I bless this house with grace and peace and the authorities that you set over this house. God, that you are the chief shepherd. You are the head of the church. And you will protect your sheep. And so in that, Lord, we, we say thank you, God, for pastors Christian, Pastor Aaron. God, we thank you, Lord, for the shepherds you put over this house. And we thank you for Pastor Benjamin, Pastor Sonny, Pastor Robert Daniels, the lineage, God. Lord, we are fully covered. You are so awesome. You are so good. And I thank you that we're a family and we're here for one another. So, God, I bless this house. And I just speak a setting apart in this hour. And I just declare sweetness, Lord, over the time of prayer these next five days, God, at K1. I just speak a sweetness, Lord. It's going to be good. Share with us, God. And if God is for us, none can stand against us. We're able to hide in the shadow of your wings. We thank you, Father. I know Pastor Christian did an altar call last night uh, where he invited up people who were feeling a shaking in their families. I'm going to do a similar altar call, but just for shipwrecks in life. And this might be sickness that you're going through, someone close to you is going through. It's a heavy burden. I want to read to you guys Galatians 6.2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now that word burden in the Greek, it means a heavy burden heavy load, not something that's normal. And there's times in our lives and shipwrecks where it might be too heavy for us. And that's why God gives us shepherds. 
That's why God gives us brothers and sisters in the faith, that they might share in our struggles and build us up and just prove that we're loved. And so I want to invite up any of you guys who are struggling right now, feel like you're in a shipwreck, whether it's your job, it's your family, it's a sickness or something like that. I just want you guys to come to the front and receive prayer. And at this time, I'll also invite up the altar ministers. You guys can come forward.